Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Friday edition of the North Shore Drive podcast. Chris Carter here with Brian Batko talking Steelers draft. We'll also have Jason Mackey with another big Pirates win last night and the trajectory that they're on right now. How long can they sustain it? All that and more right here on, on the Friday episode of North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. As always, we have all of our beat writers here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can find all of our work at post-gazette.com. We do the show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, keeping things here for you. We also have daily content from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Just be sure to check out all of our content on your favorite podcasting app as well as on YouTube, like this video if you enjoyed, subscribe for all of our content. We're joined first by Brian Batko. We're going to do a couple segments here on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Brian, we talked with Ray about the trade for Allen Robinson and how basically they gave up nothing, and they're paying not that much for a veteran wide receiver who's going to add to their room. But I think the bottom line of what now we're looking at, because now a week from now, whenever we're, we're doing this episode for next week, we'll know the Steelers' first-round pick because they'll have made it. The position that... Omar Khan has given the Steelers this year, I, I think is the first time in a few years that the Steelers have gone into the draft. And legitimately, we can say they can go in several different directions and and we wouldn't be surprised by them. So it makes it harder to, pin, to, to kind of put them into a corner where they're going to be at. Last year, we had a very strong feeling they were going quarterback. The year before that, strong feeling they were going running back. This year, They could go tackle. They could go corner. We've talked about that, but other positions are open as well here. And I think that flexibility is going to be a big story when they, when, when Thursday night kicks off uh, next week for the first round. Yeah. And I think even going back to to 2020, Chris, you know, they didn't have a first round pick obviously because of the Minka Fitzpatrick deal. But Mm -hmm. I just remember that draft, you know, a lot of people were expecting they would take the best receiver available partly because of what they needed on offense, partly because of, that being a really deep class uh, for wideouts, as I recall. So it was really just a matter of whether you thought they were going to end up with Chase Claypool or Denzel Mims or LaVisca Chenault or Brandon Ayuk. So that was another year that it was you know, fairly obvious where the biggest vacancy was on their roster. And in 2019, it was so blatant that uh, you know even everybody was predicting them uh, to trade up and, and get Devin Bush or Devin White at inside linebacker because it was just that glaring of a need. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that I don't know if it was a stated philosophy or stated strategy of, of Omar Khan and company to go into this season and not be kind of married to one position. Um, but if it was, I'd say that was smart. If it wasn't, um, it worked out that way in the end anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the Allen Robinson addition, you know, it certainly – bolsters the receiver room. I still think that 
you know, you could probably use a, a traditional big slot type of guy in there because Robinson, you know, he did that at times last year, it seems, with the Rams, but that's not really his game. I, I don't know that at 29 and coming off of a, a significant foot injury that he's really going to be able to help you too much between the 20s, at least uh, in the middle of the field. So I, I think there's still a room for somebody who's, let's just say, in that happy medium, you know, taller than Calvin Austin, uh, but still uh, able to play uh, inside receiver. Um, but you don't have to reach for that guy uh, at this point, for sure. Um, and obviously offensive tackle, they, they haven't done much of anything. Cornerback, all they've done is really replace Cam yeah. Sutton. And, you know, the defensive line, they've brought in a couple guys with veteran experience. But I still have a sense of, do you really feel like you have Cam Hayward's successor on this roster? Mm. You, know, you, you hoped that you maybe cash, could cash in a lottery ticket in the fifth round with Isaiah Loudermilk. Two years in, you know, it doesn't look like there's a ton of – growth and progression there at least not to being a you know reliable starter role player maybe uh to Marvin Leal it's it's still early in his career but you know I'd say there were more flashes than consistent ability last season as a rookie and obviously he was a third rounder so what do you really expect so um yeah I mean I, I'd say those three positions are the big ones to me Chris that jump out uh tackle corner D line where you can you can reasonably go best prospect available when you're on the board at 17. Yeah, I think that that's that that's a good position to be in. But I you know I think that we've talked about this for now a few months now where the Steelers want to be, what what the strengths are of this draft, and I think it's kind of interesting to see. You know, we've talked about how deep this cornerback class is, and we've talked about how there's some specific tackle prospects they could want. But could there be a situation where the Steelers maybe because of, you know, our, our, at least our perception and that may be their perception as well. We don't know what their big board says, but if they feel like the offensive tackle class drops off after that first round of guys, is it then much more of our priority to get offensive tackle and then be okay with selecting your cornerback of the future in the second round, as well as maybe defensive line or some other positions like that? Yeah, I think so. And and that's the inherent equation that's baked into trying to run a draft. You know, it's the same questions you'd ask yourself if you're doing a fantasy football draft and, you know, you, you feel like you've got that first pick and maybe the receivers are better, but maybe there's also more depth. So you go running back, for example. Um, that's, that's kind of how every draft works, uh, even at the NFL level and even for guys making millions of dollars to do this. And I'm, I'm kind of with you that you know, I, I think the, the tackles in this draft are kind of – they fit into neat little tiers. You know, for me at least, Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones, because of the length, because of the athleticism and the left tackle experience uh, recently on their resume, I think they're one and two in, in whatever way you want to group them. Peter Skaronsky is kind of like a, you know, tier 1B because you're just not sure if, if the you know, physical measurements yeah. will – We'll translate, and not only, you know, even if you, you know, Joe Joe Schmo sitting at home thinks, oh, this guy's definitely going to work out, that does not mean that the Steelers do. Teams around the league right. have certain thresholds that prospects have to meet for them in their scouting departments, and a lot of the times I think it takes, it takes a lot. It takes a very special player uh, to get a team to stray from some of those thresholds that they've established over years and years of evaluating and, you know, meeting together. Uh, to form a collaborative strategy when drafting players at certain positions. 
beyond those, you know, Darnell Wright, I did not have in that top tier. And, you know, I kind of mentioned it. You know, he, mm-hmm. he played right tackle last year at Tennessee. Yes, he's played left in the past, but generally I think there's a reason, you know, a college team in the SEC is competing the same way that a team in the AFC North is. They want a player to be at the position they think he fits the best at. And for Wright in, in Knoxville, that was right tackle. So, uh, you know, and there's a lot of reasons why uh, the NFL draft analysts, too, think that's kind of what his ceiling is going to be in the NFL. So um, he's in that, you know, kind of no man's land a little bit. And then I think you get into the Anton Harrison, Matthew Bergeron, and Dewan Joneses of the world. But I don't know that any of those guys are going to last until 49. And right. you know, that, that makes you have to juggle in the air. Do you, do you try to thread the needle at 32 or do you just bite the bullet and say – we've got to get one at 17 and let the chips fall where they may at corner and D line. Uh, It's a a big question. Here's another question for you, Brian. Let's say they don't think they go Joy Porter jr. Devin Witherspoon, whoever they go, they go with another position in the first round. They wait to that second round. And let's say they get an Anton Harrison or, you know, any of those guys that you just mentioned that are more second round grades, uh, offensive tackles who they waited for to the second round past the Darnell Wright's, of the well year, the Matthew Bergerons, the Cody Mocks, uh, those, those type of guys. Are any of those guys starting over who the Steelers tackles are right now? That's that's a great question. And that's what I ask myself when I look at this class of prospects is essentially, do I think this guy is an, is an upgrade over Dan Moore Jr. and Chooks for? And if not, do I think he has the upside to be eventually in his NFL career? And if the answer is no, I'm not going to overdraft him Otherwise, you know, if he falls to you, great. You know, you feel like you're getting a value. You still need depth and competition at those spots for sure. But I just, you know, I want somebody to be in a, a pretty clear upgrade now or in the future if I'm going to use one of those first couple picks on a tackle. And that's that's hard to say. I mean, I think somebody like DeWan Jones from Ohio State, who some people view as a boomer bust because – yeah, maybe you're the next Trent Brown, but also maybe you're the next Zach Banner when you're, you've got that unique size at uh, six eight, you know, three fifty, and the you know the longest uh, you know wingspan ever tracked at the Senior Bowl. I'd be tempted by by those physical attributes. Um, so you know, for me, maybe I do take the big swing on him over Harrison Bergeron, somebody like that. It's just going to be a matter of you know, do the Steelers trust it, and do they kind of trust all the scouting? that they did on all those guys in Mobile and, and certainly uh, meeting with them at their pro days. Certainly, we'll talk about that. But let's talk about also their top the top 30s visits that they had. We'll compare that with some of their pro day vis- visits, and we'll go over your rankings of the people that they brought in for top 30 visits. All right here in the North Shore Drive podcast. Stick with us, and we'll be talking buckos soon after that. But before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at GameTime.co, the best place to go get tickets for for your favorite events right now because it's going to help you not stress out when you're trying to get tickets they get game time gives you the fast and easy way to buy tickets all for the sports music comedy and theater events near you killer deals on last minute tickets for the best price guaranteed that the game time offers game time app uh, which you can download right to your phone gives you the chance to book tickets at the last minute if you didn't plan far in advance plus 
He, get, he gets a chance to scope out and see what the prices are at different events and find the best price for you on all of their exclusive flash deal tickets on football games, basketball games, baseball games, concerts, comedy, anything that in, in your area, they can help you get, get to it. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price too because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less somewhere else, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code P-I-T-T-PIT, all capital letters, all one word, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Or go to their website, gametime.co. Terms apply. Can create an account and redeem code P-I-T-T-PIT, all capital letters, all one word, PIT, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Llegaron los Pro Paint Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specrite para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Back here in the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, Brian Batko talking Steelers, top 30 visits, and what they should be looking at on draft day. The, the draft starts Thursday night, so that'll be the first round. The Steelers currently have the 17th overall pick. We've talked about the potential of trading up or back, but let's just look at the prospects that they brought in. Now, top 30 visits, these are the players who that you know each team can bring up to about 30 players who aren't local guys. Uh, guys that are within, I forget what the threshold is of how many miles or whatever, but uh, you know, guys who are from different colleges that aren't close to, to close to Pittsburgh, they're brought in. The Steelers get to talk with them, sit down with them, instead, and work on the relationship to see who these players are. So, with those thirty guys, uh, Brian, you've set up a nine-tiered set a set of rankings here of all the different guys that they've brought in. Let's start with your top guys. Your tier one guys were Broderick Jones the offensive tackle out of Georgia, Christian Gonzalez, the Oregon cornerback, and Joey Porter Jr., the Penn State quarterback. Those are the top picks, and I think everyone can kind of agree if they if the Steelers landed any of these guys at 17, there'd be a lot of people doing backflips. Um, but you ranked Broderick Jones number one. Why do you have him that him over a Christian Gonzalez? Because of the discussion we just had in the first segment that I think there's just not as much depth in this tackle class as there is in the corner back class. And, you know, Jones is a, you know, he's a young guy and he's got the length that you need. He moves really well. I think he's somebody who, if you don't get that type of player at 17, probably not getting him in this draft with where you're picking if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's why I had him, you know, at the top of that tier, but certainly Gonzalez and Joey Porter Jr. I mean, you would be thrilled to get those guys if you're the Steelers I, I think they probably view this as we need a, a franchise left tackle. We need a franchise number one corner and we need that next franchise D lineman behind Cam Hayward. So yeah. any of them could be in play first round. And, you know, I think that those three are the people that they had come visit who have the best chance of being those cornerstone players. 
Now, in Tier 2, you address the defensive line for the first time. That's Brian Brzee, uh, the De- Clemson defensive lineman. You also have Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle uh, out of Tennessee, and then Deontay Banks. Now, Deontay Banks, it's it's been very interesting. There's been some people debating if Deontay Banks has jumped ahead of Joey Porter Jr. as far as prospect rankings because of his athleticism, and he can do a few more things here and there. Um, but you have you have Banks at six, right at five, and then Brazil at four. Can you talk about just what do you think the priority is here? Like, is Banks more just that if they miss the boat that they're gonna they can and he's there at thirty two, they'll take a swipe at him, or is he a guy that like maybe they are looking at him at seventeen uh, when it comes to this cornerback class? I think it's the former. I think it'd be a little bit of a reach if they took him at seventeen. I, I think to me at least it would feel a lot like the twenty sixteen draft when you were so committed to getting a corner that you take Artie Burns and it's just kind of like, ah, you know, was it really, was it really the best player available or was it really just the best player at your biggest position of need? So I think Banks is a better prospect and better player than Burns was coming out, but they're also picking eight or nine spots higher this year than they did in that season. So it's all relative, Chris. To me, the only like the big difference that I see between those two, um, you know, Porter guys with his length and physicality, they don't come around very often, even beyond the the obvious Steelers family connections. Banks, you know, by all by all accounts, really good player. He he might turn out to be a number one corner in the league, no doubt. But I think six foot guys who uh, run really fast and are slippery, I think they're more a dime a dozen than somebody like Joey Porter Jr., who you're going to be in a division where you have to play against T Higgins twice a year. Uh, you have to play against physical, uh, you know, running teams that you're going to need somebody to come up and, and clobber the running back from time to time as well. I hear you on that. Now, when you hit tier three, you start expanding out on different positions here. You got two edge guys in Keon White and Tuli Tuipiloto. Uh, Keon White of Georgia Tech, guy that, that Pitt's gone up against USC uh, edge rusher for uh, Tuipiloto. Now, Keon White's kind of a guy that can flex a little bit to the inside, kind of like DeMarvin Leal a little bit. But then right after them, you have Keanu Benton, the Wisconsin defensive lineman. He's one of my personal favorites. I I, I think I, I have him one as one of the guys that if they land him in the second round, I think they're going to be very happy. But then you, you just want have- the Steelers to have two guys named Keanu. I get that. Yes. Chris. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, why, why wouldn't we? That's that's awesome. It's, it, Keanu's a great name. I grew up in the '90s. Sue me. Um, but Julius Brents, another one of my favorites here, the Kansas State cornerback. I loved him at the Senior Bowl. I think he has some of the best footwork of all the corners out there. Doesn't have the top end speed, but I like the way that he's able to play the game. And if they, he's one. He's like one of those premier, uh, like guys that a, a prime example of. If they passed on corner in round one and they got this guy in round two, I don't think Steelers would be mad. Uh, Steelers fans would be mad because I think he would be able to produce soon. And then right after Brent's, you have Anton Harrison. Let's talk about some of these defensive, uh, defensive, uh, up, you know, front seven guys here that you got in White, Tuipoloto, and Benton. What is the ultimate look that you think the Steelers need to come away from this draft? Do they need to find that Cam Hayward successor, or is it more important? to find the third edge rusher because they didn't get that in Bud Dupree and free agency. And that's still a question that they have to answer right now. I think it's more important to find the Cam Hayward successor just because you have mm-hmm. starters in place. And, you know, I still feel pretty good about them extending Alex Highsmith. Um, you know, it's good to have depth. We learned that for sure last year with the TJ Watt injury, but um, I want somebody who's going to definitely be a starter for me in my top 11 on defense 
for five to 10 years down the road when you might already have those guys in place at outside linebackers. So I just think this is a tier of, yeah, you know, some versatile guys at the top in white and Tui Pelotu. White, who, yeah, can probably play anywhere on the line for the Steelers other than nose tackle. And Tui Pelotu, who I think, you know, I'm not sure what his eventual NFL spot will be. He's kind of like Leal in that way. Will he be a, an outside backer? Would he be, you know, a base defensive end? Maybe both, um, which would be interesting. Benton is kind of like the B-grade Brzee for me. Brents is kind of the B-grade Joey Porter Jr. And Harrison mm-hmm. is kind of the B-grade, you know, Darnell Wright uh, or, or Broderick Jones. So that's that's sort of why I, I have those guys grouped and, and jumbled together a little bit. Your tier four, you have one player being Darnell Washington, the Georgia tight end. I love Darnell he's Washington. He's just such a wild card. That's why I didn't know yeah. where to put him. Yeah, it, he's so – because he's, he's six foot seven. He's huge. He can move. But he like kind of like plays like an offensive tackle with the way he blocks sometimes, and he didn't have as many opportunities to make receiving plays. But when he did, he made some impressive ones out there, and we saw an impressive catch radius uh, that we saw in in the combine and some of those drills. I, I think he's an interesting prospect because we, we thought tight end might be a position that they were looking at before they signed Zach Gentry. Then I think we backed off of it, but. Having Darnell Washington in there, I think the Steelers are looking to see, does he fall? They won't take him at 32. I don't think they take him there. But if he falls to 49 and they don't and they feel comfortable with, you know, the other positions that they've gotten, I think he could be a guy over, say, some of your tier five guys like Darius Rush, the cornerback out of South Carolina, Tariq Stevenson, out of the cornerback out of Miami, and Cody Mock, uh, an offensive lineman out of South Dakota State. Yeah, I just I'll, I'll finish with Washington. I'm just too tempted by the idea of running him and Pat Fryermuth out there in 12 personnel being like some of those old Patriots teams with Kenny Pickett as your as your guy slicing and dicing right. um you know he, he's just he, he's just such an, an intriguing athlete at that spot and I think he would fit the identity of this offense and what they want to do to get all of his rankings, Brian Batko has put it on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette ranking. The Steelers visitors ahead of the 2023 draft get all of his rankings. There's a lot more t- there as well. Brian, thanks so much for joining us here on the North Shore Drive podcast. We'll be back in a minute here with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette with our beat writer, Jason Mackey, on the Pittsburgh Pirates. They got another dub. We'll see if they can keep it going and what's get- getting them going. We'll stick, re- stick here. We'll have that conversation right after this. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, your host here. But we're switching to the Pirates. Jason Mackey, yet another win for the Buccos. I believe that's five in a row now. Am I correct there? I think four in a row and five of six. Four in a row and five of six. There we go. But the Pirates beating the Reds at home Thursday night. Before we get to the win, one of the key plays of the game that that helped the Pirates hold on to their 4-0 lead, and eventually I think they won, what, 4-3 was it the final score? But Brian Hayes slides down and and, sna- and snags the ball in the hole and gets it in, in, and is the starting point for a double play that you wrote about. Even he was surprised about. Jason, what the heck was that <laughs> from, from the guy who I think is making a really good case for maybe being a gold glove candidate about if he keeps this up throughout the year? I mean, he should win a gold glove. It's ridiculous. He led all defenders last year. All defenders. Any position, defensive run save. Like, if, if you're going to have that stat, you might as well use it. Find them a gold glove. Anyway, um, I've seen Key Brian make a lot of really good plays. Um, I've been on the beat since he made his MLB debut. I think the world of him defensively. The play he made last night is right up there for me 
And I think it's right up there for him, Chris. Um, we talked to him last night, and I said, did you surprise yourself with that play? And he kind of smiled. And Keith keeps it pretty close to the vest. He doesn't, you know, he's not a, you know, the type of guy that's going to be digging himself or saying anything incendiary, but like a little bit of a smile, you could tell. Um, he said he, he basically like blacked out. He didn't even remember. <laughs> Uh, but basically, like, moves to his left, dives. Kind I described it as a pop-up slide. You know, when you slide into second base, you immediately get up, try to take off for third. That's, like, what he did, except he got up, made the throw, and then went back down. It's just – he's so good defensively, man. I'm, like, sometimes run out of ways or words to describe it, but it's a good problem to have. No, it's a very good problem to have. And, uh, you know, sure, you know, his bat can be a little more consistent at times, but when you're making those kind of plays defensively, it kind of makes it so that, you know, you can you can fight your way through those moments. And uh, I think it would be interesting if he could break this un- this incredible streak of Nolan Arenado, who's had 10 straight gold gloves at the, at the third base position. Uh, but let's let's talk more about also th- this win that the Buccos had and the ride that they're that they're on right now. I mean, they they, they are certainly hot right now. Uh, you know, we talked about them if they could get past that early game against the Rockies. We liked their chance of winning the series, and they and they got a sweep there. And I believe the stat was that was the most runs scored in a in a in a series that three the Pirates have had in a three game series. Thank you for you know since two thousand and. Yeah. The bats have come alive. Jack Swinski continues to get. They had, I think, they had back-to-back home runs last night. What, what is, what is kind of helping these guys stay locked in as long as they, they have been? You know what I thought was really impressive about last night, Chris, was you have this road trip, and this was actually a hockey thing where you see teams go okay. on the road and then they come back, they get a little bit of time around their family, and all the good vibes that you sort of figured out on the road just like break apart. And last night in the first inning, you see that swing from Connor Joe. I know I immediately felt like, holy crap, they haven't lost a beat. It's the exact same thing. And then Jack Mm -hmm. Sawinski, they go back to back. Jack Sawinski with a huge swing. I guarantee you that shot a jolt of energy into that dugout. And then you just continue it, right? Like Rowanzi Contreras is really good. Andrew wrote about him and his slider and how confident he is with that pitch. That matters. Key Brian Hayes making a terrific defensive play. The bullpen held up, did just enough to keep the win together. Um, This is the same recipe that we've seen them use for the balance of the season. Um, I've been sort of hammering this point. It has surprised me. Shoot, it has surprised people with the Pirates, but their offense and how good it's been. Um, I think this is their 10th game with multiple home runs and their 10-0 when it happens. Um, Fourth in a row, like they're – Look up their numbers. Read our copy. Like there's yeah. been, I don't mean you. I just mean you know viewers, listeners. But the offense <laughs> I was gonna say, dang, it's not due. <laughs> it's crazy, legit, good. I don't think it's gonna hold up over 162. I mean, it would be great if it did, but it's it surpassed anyone's wildest expectations. I mean, just to just to correlate with what you're saying here, that right now they have the fifth most RBIs in baseball at, at, at 98. They have they're tied with the Blue Jays for having the most saves at nine, and they now have the sole possession of the most quality starts of all starting pitching with 12 there. And let's talk about the pitching too, because yeah. they've been played a huge part in this as as, as well. Um, they've been getting starting pitching, and we've now seen this this bullpen. It's not just Bednar anymore. You know, Holderman has become. The hold man, like he just, <laughs> oh, he, man, I love he, it. He, he holds it down though. Like I, I, I like what I've seen out of that. And then again, it's this balance that they've maintained. And, and here's the other thing about this. And, and we, I want to talk to you more about the trajectory here. But 
when you're seeing defensive plays for, from Brian Hayes, offense from multiple sources, pitching, not just from your starting rotation, but also from your bullpen, it shows – I think that it allows – like if one of those things drops off, other things can hold on to, to keep this team afloat in the, in, in, the, in the tough times while they work through different slumps here. I, I, is that something that you think could help this team sustain – it's sort it's, it's winning ways and maybe not necessarily, you know, winning five out of six as, as, as often, but keep themselves above or around 500, even if they were to go into a slump at some point, which all baseball teams do. Right. It's going to tail off at some point, Chris. And I'm not, I'm not going to turn this answer into like, you know, the bad news bears or anything like that, because I do think it's important how they're winning games and what they're getting out of different players right now. This was actually a topic of conversation with Derek Shelton yesterday in our pregame session. I think he spoke on it post game too, but Think about the different ways the Pirates are winning games. You know, we've had a G1 Bay walk-off. Rodolfo Castro's had some big games. Jack Sawinski's had some big games. Brian Reynolds had a stretch where he went absolutely bonkers. Carlos Santana has been consistently good. Um, You know, they've had dominant pitching performances. The bullpen has come in and locked it down. Like, it's just coming from so many different places that, yes, I'm inclined to say that that is sustainable because I I really believe that, that if one of those things sort of wiggles out of place – something else is going to come and make up for it. And that's why the Pirates have done well so far. Now, as a criticism or the opposite of that, they're not incredibly deep and there are going to be injuries. So when something happens and they have to dip down into the farm system, I would be surprised if they can maintain that same level of performance. And I don't care who they bring up. Like, you know, I want to feel great about it, but just reality tells us that there's going to be a different performance and they're still building out depth. So again, I, they're not going to win five of every six. I don't even see them having a winning record this season. But um, are they making progress? Like, that's the big, big picture topic here. Like, do they look like a better baseball team? And I don't think you could find somebody in the city right now that wouldn't say that the Pirates look better and they're encouraged by possible progress. How do you feel Derek Shelton has handled the start of this season as far as just being the manager and, and, and kind of handling the moments? There's been people who have criticized his decision on when to and when not to use certain pitchers or put guys in or take guys yep. out. But how do you feel he's done overall? It's a great topic, Chris, and I'm shaking my head, not because I disagree with what Shelton did, just because like, I, I think it has been so darn good. Um, I, I've, I've used the beginning of this season and even dating back to spring training to really feel better about Derek Shelton staying here. And I wrote last week that he's staying here. So it's probably a good thing that everybody <laughs> enjoys him staying here. Um, the Pirates have made their decision. They're moving forward with Shelton as manager. And that's great. To me, he's been a different manager this spring. He's different with us, media in terms of um, – I, I don't want to say being closed off because, like, Shelton's still a certain way on the record. But, like, you know, off the record, just how he conducts himself, how he goes about his business has been – different, more confident, more of like a veteran manager who's been around a while. I really think he likes this mix that they have in the clubhouse right now. I think the players like the mix that they have in the clubhouse right now. But he's never going to press all of the, the proper buttons, right? Like if the manager's job is made to be second-guessed, he's going to go with pitchers and it doesn't work out, and we're going to ask, why'd you do that? And that's just part of the gig, and he knows that. Um, but the culture and the expectation that he has created around this team right now and sort of what they're – he, he's he's been fun he's been laughing and jovial um and i think the team is taking that and running with it and he's, he's created a really fun culture where you get your work done but you're gonna have a good time too and we saw it last night with rowanzi Contreras and the pokemon like the way these guys are celebrating <laughs> wins 
the sword, going out there. Like they're, they're playing a kid's game and they're having a great time doing it. And Shelton's setting the tone for that. Let's, let's address the rest of this series right now. They got three more games against the Reds, Friday night, Saturday night, then, of course, Sunday afternoon. How do you see the rest of this series playing out? They held on for the win Thursday. Of course, the Reds beat them in the opening series series uh, in a 2-1 in to one in the, in there. How do you think this plays out? They've got Keller on the mound Friday. Yeah, they do, Chris. And it's a great pitching matchup tonight. Graham Ashcraft, I was so impressed with him watching him in Cincinnati. Um, I think Cincinnati's a pretty good team. I think we might have talked about this we earlier did. on the last one, but um, they're going to be better than a lot of people expect. I, I think the Pirates will end up taking three or four. Um, okay. I do worry that they're going to—they're they're probably going to crash back down to earth here at some point. Um, I hope it's not tonight. Um, you know, Keller's pitched so well, Ashcraft has pitched so well. Like something's got to give here. Somebody's going to go quiet or have a tough time, but. Um, Overall, based on what we're talking about, like I still see the Pirates taking three or four. And you know what that sets up to? What I think is fascinating, the Dodgers come into town. You know, after the off day, get them Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Obviously, the Dodgers are playing well. Um, but, you know, I the Pirates have, have really feasted at home. Um, Jack Sawinski's going great. Connor Joe's going great. Rodolfo Castro's going great. Um, so I, outside, like Ashcraft or Hunter Green, I, I think can maybe – you know, stick it to the Pirates for a game, but I don't mm-hmm. see it lasting much more than that. I'm interested to see how they how they keep this keep this afloat because man, we've seen some success here. You called that this was going to be a better year than people expected, and the start has at least set the table for that. If they do have you know that that slump that go, that puts them into a rut for a bit, that they at least have built themselves a cushion to be able to handle it and then bounce back on their own time. He's Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Jason, thanks for all the great work that you continue to do. Uh, have, enjoy the homestand here as the as they're going to be play the Reds for three more games and the Dodgers for three more games before they head back on the road to play uh, Washington uh, for three games out there. Get all of his work as well as all of our work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette at post-gazette.com. I'm your host, Chris Carter of the North Shore Drive Podcast. Find this show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, as well as all of the daily content on your favorite podcasting app, and especially on YouTube. The NFL Draft is less than a week away. It starts on Thursday. We'll have all the insights into what the Pirates are doing, to what the Steelers are planning, and who knows, maybe we get some Penguins updates on their front office search. All right here, we'll talk about it on the North Shore Drive Podcast. Have a great weekend. We'll see you all on Monday. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.